This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 38. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, is it okay to have two attorneys for a party question the same opposing or non-party witness in a deposition? When the first lawyer is done, can a second lawyer for the same party then begin questioning the deponent? The short answer is that there is no specific federal rule forbidding it. So in theory, and at least in federal court, the answer is yes. But absent good cause and absent advance agreement or discussion with the other lawyers in the case, you're still likely to draw objections, possibly a motion to terminate the deposition, and some sharp and skeptical questioning from the court. The very limited case law on this topic, and my crack research staff tells me they found less than 10 reported decisions on the issue, for the most part ruled in response to a motion for protective order that multiple lawyers would not be allowed to question a single witness in a deposition. The most common reasoning given by the judges in this situation is that this violates the custom and practice in their jurisdiction. The second most common reason was that there was a local rule that limited deposition examinations on behalf of a party to a single lawyer. Now, you're surely familiar with the language of Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30C1, that the examination and cross-examination of a deponent are to proceed as they would at trial under the Federal Rules of Evidence. But the Federal Rules of Evidence don't actually limit trial examinations of a witness on behalf of a party to a single lawyer. Federal Rule of Evidence 611 does authorize the trial judge to control the manner and mode of interrogation at trial for purposes of efficiency and so on, But that rule says nothing at all about limiting the questioning of a single witness to a single lawyer. And so kind of ipso facto, if that's the case, then using multiple lawyers to question a single deponent on behalf of a party doesn't violate the manner and mode of examination at trial under the federal rules. Even so, it still seems to strike most courts that have addressed this issue as simply unnecessary and perhaps a bit unfair. So the thing that's likely to bite you here if you try doing that is simply the custom and practice in your jurisdiction and some generalized perceptions of fairness. Frankly, I suspect if you got up in the middle of a trial after your colleague finished questioning a witness and said that you are about to start the second round, I imagine most judges would very politely and very quickly tell you to sit back down. But that's under the inherent authority of the judge to control procedures in their courtroom, not a specific rule. Now, there are some federal districts that do have local rules that specifically limit the examination by a party of a deponent to one lawyer for that party. So be sure to check your jurisdiction's local rules if you're in federal court. And of course, check your state court rules if you're in state court, both the statewide procedural rules and evidentiary rules and the local rules that might have been adopted by your particular jurisdiction or specific judges. You know, all things considered, it's still a pretty conspicuous omission from the rules. You'd think something as basic as limiting the conduct or defense of a deposition to a single lawyer might be important or obvious. But for all of the thought and genius that has gone into the crafting of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, this is still an area that the drafter of the rules decided to leave open. I suspect because there's just no easy way to articulate a rule outlining the circumstances in which multiple lawyers are justified or are not justified. So some practical tips before we wrap up. If you plan on using multiple lawyers to question or to actively defend the deposition of a single deponent. First, consider addressing it in the scheduling order through negotiation with opposing counsels 
or raising it by motion with the judge before the deposition begins. Second, be ready to demonstrate that the case involves unusually complicated issues, some very complex discrete issues, or an unusually large number of topics, perhaps not complicated, but voluminous, such that you've been forced to require lawyers uh, working on the case to develop discrete expertise on the issues. Third, consider it in situations where the deponent is an expert in a complicated field, or where the expert has addressed numerous complicated and discrete topics. That came up in the Cisco case, uh, cited in the show notes, where the expert's report in a patent dispute case was 2,000 pages long, not including exhibits, and where the dispute involved more than one patent. Now, I should mention that in the Cisco case, although that argument seemed well-founded, the court still said no, one lawyer for one deponent. Fourth, you might get by with it if you had one lawyer question the witness and the deposition had to be postponed such that you are bringing in a different lawyer to complete the deposition. Uh, that was the situation in the Kaplan case in the show notes, and the court there said no problem. Nothing troubling about a different lawyer coming in on a different day to complete the examination. I should also mention on a related note that in at least one of the cases we found, that's the Compass Bank decision in the show notes, the defendant had two lawyers defending a deposition, and both of them were apparently making objections. But given the limited number of objections made, as best we can tell, the judge said no sanctions were justified because it didn't appear to technically violate any federal or local rule. Sixth, you might get by with using multiple lawyers to take or defend a deposition if it's a 30B6 deposition where you've got a lengthy topic list and multiple discrete issues. All right, what to say if you're opposing a deposition where this tactic surfaces? One, you can certainly object, although if your jurisdiction does not have a rule against it, you're probably going to have to at least allow the examination to proceed subject to your objection and subject to how it unfolds. Two, and if it does proceed, look for signs that the examination has become abusive, duplicative, or confusing. In that situation, you might be justified under Federal Rule 30D3 or its state equivalent in seeking a protective order and either contacting the judge or magistrate for a ruling mid-deposition or halting the deposition and then swiftly seeking court relief. If you can make a showing, you might likely have the judge on your side given the general reluctance of judges to permit this tactic. Three, watch out for situations where the lawyers alternate with one conducting part of the examination, the second conducting a piece, and the first lawyer coming back again. That might give you a strong basis to argue that the examination has become confusing or disruptive. All right, that's a wrap. If you're thinking about having multiple lawyers, not just attend depositions, but actively participate in the examination or defense, take a peek at the cases in the show notes. They'll at least give you a flavor for the things that judges have zeroed in on when allowing it or disallowing so that you can craft your arguments for or against accordingly. Same thing if one of your opposing numbers tells you that they plan to have multiple lawyers conduct the examination or if you find yourself in the middle of a deposition where it wasn't announced in advance, but that's what you're encountering. The cases we've cited will help you formulate arguments for the opposing lawyer or for the judge on the fly. As always, thank you for listening. And if you would, please take a moment and give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. These episodes take a great deal of time and energy and resources to research and produce. And I can tell you our staff would greatly appreciate it. They love it and they get motivated when they see another five-star review. Thanks again.